2: Well, Welcome into Booth Review. That is not Kent Swanson. I am Scott Chasen. That is Derek Johnson filling in for Kent. Derek on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, on KLWN, and also the Locked on Jayhawks podcast. Before we get going, when was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprize Bank is a trusted partner that can serve anyone, anywhere, at any time, Maybe I didn't. That's not in the ad read. I kind of made that up, but they are a great partner for our show and we thank them and Prize Bank. Derek, okay, you normally do ad reads for a living. I need you before we talk about this KU game to grade how I did because I got that thrown at me last second without Kent being here and I feel like I kind of messed that up.
1: Yeah, you were uh, Jason Bean in the second half against TCU last week. You, you came in, you did what you could. You, you might have had a bad interception in the way there, but you did what you could. By the way, you you could have just told the audience that we were doing like an early Halloween edition and Kent Swanson was dressing up as me.
2: Well, that would have been a really good idea and really funny and topical. Um, Derek, we got a lot to talk about with this KUOU game. And um, obviously it didn't go well for Kansas. The, the final score doesn't kind of indicate that You know, at least to me, Kansas never really had a shot in this game. um, With the way the first half went, they got within two scores a couple times and had a chance coming out of the second half to drive and go for a touchdown. Because OU kind of messed up the clock management with how they ended that first half and cost themselves, you know, a few more chances at a touchdown. But um, OU kept Kansas at an arm's length. This was really the first time this year where we we saw the offense struggle for long stretches. I know they scored 42 points. They eventually got it going. Um, but I think that that 42 is a little deceiving, especially with that late score, just because so many times in the first half, the offense, it it wasn't that they weren't even moving the ball, but they weren't taking time off the clock. And it was one minute and two minute drives. OU was getting it back and scoring. Um, Derek, where do you want to start offense or defense? Because I think both had some problems today.
1: Well, let's start with that offense. Uh, what you just brought up there. I think the Like time of possession, we know can be a a faulty stat, but I think in a game like this, Kansas would have loved to kind of dominate in that area. We saw last year, they had the nine and a half minute drive at one point in that game. And that was kind of all by design. Keep the explosive Oklahoma offense off the field. This team has a really explosive offense when Dylan Gabriel is playing, as we just saw. So yeah, it was a little bit surprising and I mean, we will get to the defense here, but uh, obviously not a good game for them. They also were left with a lot of tough situations. Like the offense didn't keep the ball for long periods of time. They didn't take advantage maybe of a couple big plays that the defense made in the game. And it's weird because, like you said, the offense, yeah, it didn't feel like a 42-point game. Um, But I I look kind of across the board. I thought a lot of guys played well. Like L.J. Arnold had a great game. Mason Fairchild had a great game. I thought the offensive line pass blocking was really good in this game. Like The only time that kind of got pressure on Bean was when it was manufactured with a blitz that maybe he wasn't able to pick up pre-snap. Devin Neal had himself a pretty good game, didn't get a ton of carries, but put up pretty good yard totals there. Kai Thomas finally got in the end zone. I I think a lot of it was just a little bit different without Jalen Daniels, and I, I think today you saw Like, less so than the TCU game. The TCU game, you didn't really miss a beat. I think today you saw the big difference between having Jalen in there over Jason B.
2: Yeah. I I mean, look, the offense scored 42. And I think, real quick, just to make a point about, you know, maybe the difference is today between offense and defense for KU. Like, KU is not a team that's going to win with their defense. Um, I know they did that against Iowa State. I think that was kind of a unique situation. Um, what you got in that TCU game, I think that's what realistically is the best you can expect from this defense, which is if the offense doesn't have it going for maybe a half, they can do enough to keep you in a game like they did, but they're going to give up scores. It's not the strength of this team. Kansas isn't Alabama, Georgia, where they're coming at you on both sides of the ball dominating. No, you, you have to win with your strength, and that strength for Kansas is the offense. Um, I thought today Kansas put way too much on the defense. You know, we've both talked about time of possession on drives. Um, You know, I, I, candidly, I thought they asked Jason Bean to do a little too much early and then late in the game, they kind of simplified it again, sort of like they did in the TCU game. Um, But that was a point I made to Kent and I made really after talking to KU players, you know, following that TCU game, the KU offense found success with Jason Bean when they went back to a lot of that wide zone and then play action off that wide zone. His first option looks weren't great. Um, And I know fans wanted to see some of that creativity in the KU offense today, but I, th- I think you saw why it's a little bit different, right? Like Jason Bean, first of all, doesn't like that contact. Um, he went down short of a first down. It looked like he got a talking to um, by Kansas quarterback coach on the, se- the sideline. And then, you know, he started sticking his head in there a little bit more until the end when he had a chance to go for a touchdown. And again, he kind of slid short of the goal line. I'm not saying these are necessarily bad decisions. Like you don't want to get this guy injured. But I think it's just a little bit different. He he's not quite the passer that Jalen is. I don't think he makes the best decisions. Um, Not that Jalen makes perfect ones all the time, but I don't think he's as good as that. Um, Accuracy. I don't think he has the same accuracy as Jalen. And then I think Jalen isn't afraid to kind of stick his neck in there and fight for those extra yards, and that can be the difference between getting an extra first down and giving the defense time to recuperate Um, and not. And I thought in all those areas, Jason Bean. You know, his final line looks really good. He had 265 passing yards, four touchdowns, two picks. But again, that that does not tell the story of this game. I, I watched this game and thought, man, Kansas really missed having Jalen Daniels in the game.
1: 100%. Um, I, I think just kind of the processing stuff kind of uh, sticks out to you, whether it was not picking someone up on a blitz that that's going to be coming or, you know, I, I, I think you see a lot of the difference in short passing and intermediate passing between the two. Jalen's just a lot more accurate in those situations, more consistent there. I I actually said like earlier this week, I think Jason mean throws maybe even a more catchable or better like deep ball. I'm not saying he has a stronger arm, but I I think you could make that argument, but the other stuff just, just isn't there as much. And, And I think that's a good point. Like you said, a lot of people were saying, well, why aren't we wanting triple option? And that would be a way of, of, you know, controlling the clock and having those long drives. But, if you're missing all the reads on the read option of when to give, when to take, uh, the coaches aren't going to trust that to be maybe the best offense for you moving forward. And then also, you know, if, if you're afraid of of taking a hit, which, again, like that might be coach directed because of the fact, like you said, like you don't want to get down to another quarterback. Um I think we saw kind of the, the negative of that when they did run kind of an option pitch earlier in the game and it actually worked. It worked for like a first down big play and everything. But when they showed this, the, the kind of front angle of the view, he, he pitched it before he should. Like you're supposed to basically absorb the hit to pitch it, uh, to basically get that guy fully off. He pitched it and the defender was actually closer to the pitch man than he was to Jason Bean. So some of those things make it less possible, I guess, to do that, that triple option game. Um, I do think that you're better set at backup quarterback than uh, a lot of other big 12 teams would be, but yes, there there's maybe a bigger gap between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels than some people might've thought.
2: Yeah. And and look, Jason Bean is good enough to, to maybe win you a game. And, and, you know, I was talking to Kent before this, we were kind of messaging throughout the game, just like Derek and I were, and, and Kent even made the point that they're, you know, maybe they're trying to show some trust in Jason Bean and give him the chance knowing that they're going to be with him for a few weeks because, you know, that was another part of this game, right? Pete Thamel of SI reports before uh, the game that Jalen Daniels, who, um, you know, we can kind of talk about this a little bit. I mean, KU has said he's day to day and that Lance said that Andy Kotelnik, said that um, it's just flat out not true. And, and I think that's what this report said. He's out a minimum of four weeks, um, really three, uh, two games by week. And then he could come back at the earliest, according to Sports Illustrated in that fourth week. So he's not I, maybe his recovery is day to day. But this is, this is going to be a long-term thing where they're already saying November would be the earliest he could come back. And in that tweet from, from Pete Thamel, he also said that it's still ambiguous after that. So it's not, not even a guarantee that he would be back for that Oklahoma State game. So whether he is back at the start of November, whether he's back the week after that, or you know whether or not he returns all year, you're going to have to figure out at least a way to get through probably one more or definitely one more game, maybe two, um, and maybe more with Jason Bean. I, I don't totally know at this point what the answer is, but, yeah, I thought the offense it, it, just situationally didn't extend drives, didn't, didn't play the way that I, I necessarily thought they would. Now, they obviously did have some success, and, Derek, I think we should highlight what they did well because the receivers in this game continue to be terrific, and you have a great stat that I will not steal about how good those receivers have been this year. Uh, But Kansas tight ends make plays. I continue to think Devin Neal is having a better season than maybe some of the numbers or or grades or things would give him credit for. And I, I think the KU staff is making a real effort to keep him healthy and allow him to last through the season, which, you know, we'll see when they get into one of those games where maybe they feel like they have to use Devin Neal to win the game. I bet he gets more use. You know, this is a guy who got like five or six straight carries in a row in the second or third game of his college career last year. So they're not afraid of, of using him a lot, but I think they like the other talent on the team. Um, and, and then, Derek, you mentioned pass blocking too. What, what was the best part of the game to you offensively? Was it play the receivers, the offensive line? What what stood out?
1: It was the offensive line for me. Um, just some of the, the deep throws or, or big strikes that Jason Bean was able to hit. I mean, it wasn't just like good plays maybe by the receiver, but you noticed a sizable pocket that lasted for a long period of time. Like the pass blocking was, I thought, really, really good for for KU today. And they were able to open up some holes in the running game as well. Like that long Devin Neal run before the end of the first half, that was a gigantic hole that they opened up on the left side. They had a couple other wide zone plays that they kind of opened up a nice hole for. I I was really impressed with the offensive line.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think the O-line was very good. And the receiver stat, do you want to say it or am I going to steal it from you about KU's receivers?
1: No, you can go ahead and have it. Stats are public domain, so.
2: (laughs) All right, fine, fine. Well, pro football focus coming into this game, Derek pointed out that Kansas receiver group had the second highest uh, grade in the country. Um, And that was behind Ohio State, which obviously has you know a bunch of talented guys. And I think you've seen that. I mean, you certainly saw it in the last game, right? Like Quentin Skinner alone had two incredible catches. Luke Grimm had the one. Um, at least I think it was Luke Grimm where he was kind of wide open in the end zone and ended up because the throw wasn't great. He had to kind of tightrope and and you know hold on to the ball and and you know complete the catch. So yeah, I think Kansas's receivers have been better than I way better than I thought they would be. Kent gave him a lot of credit coming into the year. He actually thought the group was pretty good. Um, I was not super high on those receivers coming into the season, but I think Quentin Skinner has added an element. LJ Arnold has taken the next step. And Luke Grimm, who you might have thought would have been the number one receiver. Um, he's at times this year been kind of like a third option and at times he's been more than that. So I think, I think those three have given Kansas legitimate, you know, starting talent. And then you add in Tanaka Scott, possibly Trevor Wilson for future games. And and I, I think that's a pretty good receiving core Um, real quick for anyone listening, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment. You can rage comment as Kent likes to say, that helps us grow the channel, get this show out to other KU fans who might want to be talking about this game. So Um, Derek, I want to talk defense now, and then we're going to get back to the big picture stuff. Defense obviously struggled in this game, and I'll tell you the point I thought that KU was probably going to lose was when Oklahoma's first two drives, two touchdown drives, took two minutes and 40 seconds and then two minutes and 20 seconds because for KU that was not the way you wanted to play. You needed to make Oklahoma work to score, and Oklahoma just didn't sub. Um, That was a big part of their game plan coming into this game that they were going to take that same personnel group go down the field and not allow Kansas to sub Um, what do you see from the defense and what do you think was maybe the biggest issue out there?
1: Yeah. And keep in mind, Oklahoma state who they have in a couple of weeks is, is one of the other fastest teams in the country. So it's definitely circle that one as, as we know at the big 12, but uh, yeah, defensively, I I think if we just take it through the three different levels, like defensive line, I think got kind of worked today. Like it didn't really create any chaos, which we had seen a bit in the past. Now, we kind of saw this against West Virginia. They, they kind of struggled in, in that regard, didn't create much much push, tackles for loss, sacks, anything like that. I know Lonnie Phelps' dad mentioned that he's dealing with an injury, so that would obviously you know be a big impact to KU's best defensive lineman and him playing through that. But they were unable to really get anything going there. Uh, I think from kind of the second level, you got torched a good amount. That was something I was worried about, the fact that, Oklahoma was so good at hitting all these deep shots this season with Jeff Levy, the offense coordinator, and Dylan Gabriel. And you had Eric Gilliard, the KU linebacker, saying he throws as good of a deep ball as, as I've ever seen around all my years in football and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it's almost like it dictated KU's game plan that it became too much about, you know, guarding the deep ball to where they were just the first few drives it was five-yard cushions on seemingly every pass play, whether it was a 15-yard dart over the middle or if it was a little out-route, comeback route, kind of on the outside, that they were able to just kind of get a rhythm going early in that game, and it also allowed them to kind of establish the run more than we've seen any team really be able to do against Kansas. They had almost 300 yards rushing, 400 passing. They converted all these third downs. A lot of them were in third and short, though, so it made it a lot easier. 16 of 21 on third down. I broadcasted a football game like a month ago that yeah. The two teams combined were like 0 of 29 on third down. And here I am watching this being like, <laughs> what on earth is going on? So um, I, I think the big worry for me there was then what happens if Kansas does adjust and they start guarding some of these short passes? Is Oklahoma going to hit them with double moves? And they did it a couple times for touchdowns in the game. It just seemed like no matter what KU was doing, they couldn't find an answer. And because of that, it, it's almost like, You know, I I think KU did make adjustments, but all the adjustments came to a point where Oklahoma was expecting the adjustment. They're like, all right, we're waiting for you to adjust to this. Then we're going to adjust. And because of that, it almost felt like, I think I texted you this. I was like, it feels like Kansas just isn't able to take away anything. Like typically on defense, if you have a bad game, maybe you can at least take one game thing away. Can you stop the run at least? Or can you stop short passes? Can you prevent the big play? And, like, in every level, Oklahoma was able to kind of do whatever they wanted. Really, the only time Oklahoma stopped themselves, yes, they had three turnovers, but, like, I feel like all of those were just Oklahoma messing up. Like, how many throws do we see Dylan Gabriel miss kind of in the flats? The the fumble on the little speed option was him just yeah. fumbling the ball. He had the the fumble where his running back kind of hit the ball on his way back. The interception was just kind of a misfired throw. Like, even kind of the good things, quote-unquote, KU did, a lot of them were kind of Oklahoma self-inflicted
2: yeah, I think that's true. and and just to kind of finish the thought you were at earlier, that third level that the you know the back end of KU's defense, well, before Jacoby Bryant was knocked out of the game, I mean, O u was picking on him pretty mercilessly. and um you know, obviously you mentioned the double move, which is good scouting by Oklahoma, something uh, TCU had kind of the wrong guy picked out when they tried something like that a couple of times. Um, you know, and then uh, the stat of the game for me, and this maybe this is this is Dom or me reading too much into something. But I'll tell you what the stat of the game is. It's 14. Um, that is the number of tackles Kenny Logan had today. And I've made this point a number of times just doing this show throughout the season, even before the season that Kenny Logan statistically had an amazing year last year. Pro football focus loved him. His tackling numbers were outstanding. He might've led the nation or the big 12 in tackles, something like that. Um, but that's not a realistic role to play. You don't want your safety doing that. Bad KU teams have had fish Smithson, um, you know, coming away with hundred tackles or whatever, that that's not the goal. You want the first levels of your defense. You want that front seven bringing guys down and making plays. And when Kenny Logan has to be the fireman and you hear his name called 25 times in a game, that's an indication that your defense has been absolutely decimated at the point of attack. Um, you know, I, I thought, OU did a great job of getting the ball out quick. So I won't put all that on the defensive line because I I think they wanted to neutralize them. And you're right. As ACE KU reporter, Lonnie Phelps senior, who I would again, assume is Lonnie Phelps's dad reported um, Lonnie Phelps is injured and and he wasn't in there as much, but yeah, the defensive line didn't do much. Um, I I didn't think the linebackers had a particularly great game either. And Lorenzo McCaskill couldn't keep his helmet on. Um, But a couple of times I thought they were slow and in one-on-one situations just couldn't make the tackle. And so that put everything back on that back end, which is just not where you want to be. And Derek, you're right. Like normally this year, KU has taken the run game away, right? Like that's been the number one thing they've set out to do is said, you can't run on us. You're not going to beat us with explosives. Find that intermediate and march down the field. And we're going to count on you to make a mistake, or we're going to count on us to wear you out because we're going to keep subbing and changing. And Oklahoma was really the first team that said, that had the good counter to that, that had the talent between quarterback, receivers, everything else to make Kansas pay on those short to intermediate routes and to kind of move down the field, you know, seven, 10, 15 yards at a time, but then also have to do, you know, be able to do that without subbing. And so um, I don't come away from this game necessarily feeling worse about the KU defense because I, no one considered it to be the strength of this team Um, and you don't want to win games relying on it. But I think that blueprint is a little concerning for me, Derek, Because like you mentioned, Oklahoma State, um, if teams start doing that and Kansas doesn't figure out an answer, all of a sudden you're putting a lot of pressure on the offense to basically be perfect every week.
1: I think that's what it is that, like we've kind of said, it's different with Jason Bean than it is with Jalen Daniels, but you still feel like Jason Bean can be competent enough with what they have on offense that they're still not going, like they're not going to be the worst offense in the Big 12. Um, Defensively though, if you're a top three offense, let's say, in the Big 12 with Jalen Daniels, that gives you a lot more margin for error on the defensive side of the ball to where you can make your way to a bowl game, you can make your way to whatever it would have been, seven or eight wins if Jalen Daniels is playing the entire way through. But if the drop-off with having Jason Bean at quarterback is you go from being, again, like, say, the third best offense in the Big 12 to maybe the seventh or eighth, and I don't know that's the case. I'm just mm-hmm. hypothetically – Then all of a sudden, if you do have the worst defense in the Big 12, like it's (laughs) going to be really hard to win another game the rest of the season. And I I think this was one of their three most winnable games the rest of the way. I still think Baylor at Texas Tech are probably uh, maybe the two most uh, that you would say from here. Every game you go into, though, I still think I'm going to view this team as saying, yeah, they have a shot to win. And it's not just the shot to win of like, if they have four turnovers today, then they can win the game. I I still think going next week into Baylor, who – just lost at West Virginia on Thursday. We're going to go into that game and say, if you know, KU fixes some stuff, they're going to be able to have a chance to you know come down to a close game at the end and, and find a way to win. But uh, you're right; it definitely is a little concerning that we already knew. Like Again, if you if you would have said Oklahoma passed for 400 yards, I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have been shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you said they ran for around 300, yes, I, I would have been surprised in that. And, and like you said, if that is something that carries over, then all of a sudden you go from being a defense that has its flaws but has done certain things well to all of a sudden kind of what last year was, which was kind of a disaster on that end. Yeah. Again, uh,
2: you can hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment. Like I believe David Reed did. I'm going off memory comments, not on the screen anymore. Um, But made a comment and basically said, you know, he's happy to be disappointed by Kansas again, because that means there's expectations. That means this program is doing something. Um, Derek, I kind of want to end on this topic where Kansas goes from here, because you're right. I, I did think this was one of the more winnable games for Kansas. Maybe I was underselling Oklahoma a little but I, I'm not someone who's picked Kansas to win every game. In fact, I picked them to lose to Iowa State. I picked them to lose to Houston. I'm pretty sure I picked them to lose to West Virginia. Um, I I have definitely, you know, just as much as I've been on the, yeah, I think Kansas has a shot side. I've also been on the Kansas probably isn't going to win this one side. And I, did, I actually thought Kansas was going to win this game. Um, I saw an OU team in disarray that I thought Kansas would be able to take advantage of. Um, I For me, I, I didn't think the offensive execution was good enough. And I think the defense played um, it's worst game of the year. And so, uh, I I think that's where it fell flat, but now I I look to the rest of the season. Kansas has maybe a chance against Baylor. I think Kansas will have a chance against Texas tech. And yeah, I mean, if you go into the last game of the season, it's not ideal at five and six against Kansas state. Um, you're going to see Kansas's absolute best shot and best effort, and you're going to see them throw everything out, you know, to try and get that last win. But this is, uh, it's a little bit of nervousness time, For KU, I I think for starters, the Big 12 title conversation, I think that's pretty much done. Kansas would have to go, would have to win its next two games, I think, for that to even pick back up and be a reasonable conversation again. Um, So I think that's on hold for now. But I I think a bowl game is still out there. I think it's still possible. Um, But the pressure is really going to start to mount, especially if Jalen Daniels doesn't just come back. You know, doesn't just miss one more game, but he's actually out two, three, four games. Um, then then I think you see the pressure mount for this Kansas team.
1: 100%. And the more that you do struggle with Jason being in there as opposed to Jalen Daniels, the more we're going to start to wonder if those last three games that happened last year, like we we thought it wasn't just Jalen coming in and, and playing well. We also thought it was the team as a whole flipping the switch and figuring out the system and understanding everything that the coaches wanted but the more that you do have maybe some of those issues on the offensive side of the ball, if Jason Bean does have other bad interceptions or struggles on in read option or whatever it is, you're going to start to say, man, maybe there's that big of a difference between Jalen and Jason Bean. And we saw what they were last year prior to Jalen Daniels, which was a 1-8 and eight football team that was getting blown out in a lot of games. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. I think the insulation is a lot better for them. But you're right. I, I think the pressure now has just become... Just win one more game any way you can, all hands on deck, just win one more game and get to a bowl game.
2: Yeah. What's your gut tell you? Is this a bowl team?
1: I still think it is because I still see enough there from like all those, like I said, offensively, I, I look at like every positional unit and I was like, you played well today. The quarterback was a bit up and down, still had some ups, but just had some down things. Defensively, yeah, that was kind of a train wreck today, but you know, I I don't think they're – you're not going to be that bad every week. You're not going to give up 700 <laughs> yards every week. And if, if the baseline is there for the offense, just take one, like, average game from the defense, which we know that's in there for them because Oklahoma, when healthy with Dylan Gabriel, they're probably a top three offense in the Big 12 too. So uh, who knows? Baylor's a winnable game. They just lost at West Virginia. You won at. Uh, Texas Tech's a winnable game on the road. I, they're all winnable. They're all winnable. So if you roll the dice enough times, you, you throw enough darts, maybe one comes up your way.
2: Yeah, I I think I agree. I I think that's where I'm at, at this point too. Like I, I I do believe now you, you look to bowl eligibility and that's really it anything. I mean, maybe it's already been there that anything on top of that was a bonus, but I I did feel like a couple of these last two games were winnable for Kansas. I mean, they were in a position to potentially win the TCU game where they could have been there. So it was a little bit of a different focus, but now I I think I'm there that you you just got to find a way to get to six. Anything on top of that is nice. Um, we, I think the conversation is best saved for another time. How we would view a five and seven Kansas team at the end of the year? I think, I think we've got some time for that. Maybe going into later weeks of the season, um, if it is that way. But uh, Derek, I want to thank you for hopping on here. And and by the way, can you shout out your Twitter handle? Is it D Johnson Radio? Is that where people can find you?
1: That's right. So I'm a little out of the element today on a video screen, but yeah, at T Johnson radio and shout out Kent Swanson. You do do great work here on booth review. Sad that Kent's a little uh, not not feeling great enough to to get on the pod here, but looking forward to having you guys back.
2: That is a HIPAA violation by Derek Johnson. So he will be going straight to prison. No, uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. This has been KC sports network booth review, and we will be back midweek to break this one down a little bit more and preview the next Kansas game. Thanks.